On today's Locked On Bama, we'll have Tony Tuskulis. I'm not sure I'll ask him how to pronounce it. We'll get with him in a second. Uh, from Bama Central on to talk all things Bama. So stick with us, Locked On Bama. Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. And Tony Sukulis, is that, did I do that right? Closer, closer. Yeah, Sukalis. Yeah. Sukalis. Uh, you know, Sukalis, Sukulis, tomato, tomato. It's all the same. heard worse, especially in your intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Bama Central. Uh, Tony, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just getting over the, the end of spring camp. Um, Hopefully, I can kind of go into cruise mode until the fall. We'll see how that works out. Yeah, look, you're not going to get a lot of days off at Nick Saban's Alabama. When we hire the next guy and he's a complete flop, you'll have you'll have like Wednesday through Saturday off most of the time. But during Nick Saban, we're going to have angry Alabama fans all the time, and that might be that might be even more work. So. <laughs> that's that's a good look. If if I learned anything yesterday. It's that everybody's angry. When a pitcher leaves the mound to form tackle a guy who hits a home run, I know that we have reached the tail end of society. So everybody enjoy this last football season we're about to have. <laughs> Look, you know, Alabama, Alabama needs some help at, uh, at cornerback maybe. Maybe they uh, <laughs> go over and recruit. Yeah. That was a big hit. That was it a was big, a big that hit. Was, that was a big hit. That was brutal, Mechie. man. Yeah, Mechie would have been proud of that one when Mechie uh, laid that block on Florida in the SEC championship game two seasons ago. That It looked like that hit. Tony, let's, you know what? Since we brought up Mechie, let's kind of start there just for a second. Um, yesterday, I just happened to be flipping channels and came across the uh, NFL Network, or actually maybe CBS Network. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, and they were doing a, 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 a like spotlight on different players coming in the draft. And I just happened to flip on it right when they started talking about John Mitch, who was uh, born in, was it, was it Taiwan? I think it was Taiwan. Then he went to Ghana. Then he moved to Ghana. And and then, um, and then of course ended up in Canada. And then at age 13, he talked to his mom. He had never really played football. The only thing he, he, he knew very little about football. The only thing his brother said, the only thing they knew about football was from Japanese comic books. I mean, (laughs) I mean, that's like learning sex ed from Disney. I mean, it's just not – that's not exactly how this is going to work. And although it might be now, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> I was awful. I'm getting too political right here at the start. I remember covering uh, in like 2014, uh, a Japanese team came to play like a high school all-star team at Central High School in Tuscaloosa. It was pretty wild. I mean, they they have like a team. They have, they have like a league. I don't – you know. How did it go? I think the, I think actually the high school all-star team won. They <laughs> but it was a close game. game. It was a close, it was a close game. It, like, like, it wasn't like, you know, um, the, the, the Japanese team like held its own, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it was, uh, it's not like they were an absolute embarrassment if I remember right. And they got to meet Alabama um, and they were just, these are like, I guess, professional or, you know, semi-professional. I don't know how much money they're making over there in Japan, but they got to meet Alabama, you know, I guess that team. 
Um, I, I think it was 2020. It's 2014. They got to meet those teams and they were just blown away by these college kids. And obviously these kids are way bigger than they were. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty, it was a neat story. Well, anyway, so Mechie is in, Can- they moved to Canada. His, his family moves around a lot. And at age 13, he talks his mom into letting him go to this uh, boarding school in Maryland. And um, it, it's kind of wild. And Jimmy has left the building for some reason. But um, yeah, it's kind of wild. And, um, you know, it, it was just interesting to me that, uh, that, I mean, Jimmy, you, you, how did you do this? How did you mess it? Oh my God, how are you turning around? I, I, oh my God, he just left again. Okay. Look, I'm not bringing him back till I'm done with this story is getting irritating. Um, but so John Mechie talks his, uh, mom into letting him go to this boarding school where he apparently just starts kicking ass. And, um, you know, then he was a, you know, a great player, a a four-star type of guy, but man, I I don't think Alabama fans know his backstory as well as they should. He's probably one of the more underappreciated players. If not just one of the more underappreciated backstories in Alabama history, if you ask me, this guy is so, so interesting. Yeah. He's a guy that's like, he's like a citizen of the world, basically, like you said, um you know I, I mean how many people spent time in asia africa canada you know what i'm saying it, it, it's it's really crazy and um he's a heck of a receiver too but he he's a cool guy to talk to i think you know um he's kind of got like a humble energy about him um but he, you know he, he's a really fun guy to talk to and he does have a good story i mean another thing too that adds to the story is like you know being from canada you know, he didn't get to see his family for a while because of COVID. So um, that just adds to the whole complications of traveling and, you know, um, these Canadian athletes, you know, because of the restrictions and the border restrictions due to COVID, you know, they were separated for their families for, for a while. And that's got to be tough, you know. It does. And look, I didn't really think that's where I was going to go when we invited you on is talking about John Mechie. But <laughs> really, really, really hoping he lands somewhere very cool uh, coming in coming up in this draft, it, it would be really uh, great if he were to end up. I think he needs to be at a New England. Um, he's not the most explosive receiver in the world, but I would love for him to be somewhere where they appreciate a damn good – boy, I hate to call him a possession receiver. That just pigeonholes well, I think but... he is a possession receiver, though. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Okay. I mean, okay. Stephon Diggs is a possession receiver. I mean, you can be yeah. a good possession receiver. You know, Wes Walker was a – you know, possession receiver Julian Edelman. So I mean, Alabama's uh, New England's had a lot of them. So yeah, yeah. you're right about that. I think he New would England's be- offensive tackles are possession receivers. I mean, that's that's how many <laughs> yeah, possession receivers they have. Jimmy, um, you're you're back yeah. with us. Okay, yeah. I just want to be sure we can hear you. Yeah. I, oh yeah. Can Can you hear me? Yeah. You've been yeah. popping in and out, and yeah. I, I don't know. You haven't even talked yet, and you've ruined the podcast. No, I don't know really. I'm really We're just busy. trying to, to give the viewers some, you know, kind of mix them up, not, not let them get too comfortable. It's kind of like a defensive look. You know, you got to like – Jimmy's just the roaming linebacker just popping in and out. Am I blitzing? Am I am I not? Yeah. It's, it's reality TV. It's reality you know, I, TV. You're mixing up formations. That's true. But I think Alabama fans are looking at you like you're Bill O'Brien. You're mixing them up for no reason. And they're not successful. <laughs> um, well, at least I'm – but much like I am predictable. It is predictable that it is predictable. I'd have a slight tech issue for three minutes, but I'm good. All right, let me tell everybody about Built Bar. 
Uh, Tony, Built Bars, these are delicious. You need to go check them out at Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off that order. These things are absolutely delicious. They're covered in real chocolate. You can try their puffs. These are smaller, still covered in chocolate. They're marshmallowy. They're protein-infused marshmallow. They are so, so good. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15. Most Built Bars only contain like 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar and 4 net carbs, so it's perfect for a keto or a keto diet. Tony's not familiar with the keto diet. That's what Jimmy calls a keto diet. And I told him the keto diet is when you on a diet and you sleep on the couch of your murderous friend. That's exactly what Jimmy thinks a keto diet is for some reason. But go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off that order. I had milk and a peanut butter and chocolate chip cookie for breakfast. What, what diet is that? <laughs> Not, that a is the, Not a good one. Not a good one. It is the hope your affairs are in order diet. <laughs> uh, Tony, let's talk a little bit about the spring game. Um, who – don't give me Will Anderson. We all know Will Anderson is is a different – he's an alien. I mean, he, we knew he stood out, Okay. But tell me who you were really impressed with that maybe not everybody's talked about yet. Uh, Jamil Burroughs, the, the fact that he was able to put uh, – to get an inside pressure. Um, that's something that Alabama's defenses you would think would be one of the question marks that they have is can they get that inside pressure that they had with Fedarian Mathis or Christian Barmore or Quinnen Williams. Who's going to be that next guy? And Jamil Burroughs had two sacks during the A-Day game. And um, he, he could definitely be one of those guys along with Tim Smith, somebody like that. So I think maybe he wasn't talked about enough. Um, trying to think of other people that like kind of are a little bit under the radar. Um, I'm pretty high on Chris Broswell. I think that, you know, he's obviously a five-star guy that's been pretty good. Um, and, you know, I think he's going to have a, a more increased role this year. Um, Christian Leary looked good out of the slot. I, I, I tend to get – a little, I tend to tamper like weigh down expectations when, when you see a guy do well for the second team offense. I mean, we saw Ajay Hall do well for the second team offense and you know, you are going against the second team defense. That being said, Christian Larry beat Malachi Moore on his touchdown and that's basically a first team defender right there. So yeah, maybe, maybe him as well. Yeah. I think the same thing uh, talking about Larry versus Ajay's performance last year. Uh, I was looking at Ajay. I think I had to write up something for, for the Texas uh, on three site about Ajay. So, so I, I did a little more reading about his spring game and, and I, f- I forgot, I, I can't remember who, who wrote it, but it was describing Ajay's breakout spring game. And it mentioned that he made one of his best, one of the best plays he made was a catch over the head of defensive back Jacoby McBride. And right. I was like, we should have, as writers, as fans, as experts, we should have been putting on this, you know, the brakes, you know, o- over that a year ago. Whereas Leary, you know, beat up on Malachi Moore. Also, a weird thing about a Jai spring game, I'd forgotten until I went back and looked. You know who he wasn't the leading receiver on a day. It was no. actually Treshawn Holden who had almost a hundred yards on nine catches. He he had a, a better day statistically than a Jai yet. For whatever reason, uh, for whatever reason, one of the things we're really good at at Alabama, we we can build a cult following for for no reason. That's what we do best. You you know what happened with the Jai? I'll tell you right now. After the A Day game, Nick Saban said that they didn't have anyone with the speed that he had on the offense, and Nick Saban was trying to emphasize the fact that they needed more speed at the wide receiver position. And like Ajay Hall is not even like what you would call like an absolute burner, but he does have some speed. Right. And 
that was before that eight game was before they brought in Jamison Williams. So yeah. like, obviously they had that speed after that. And, and so I, I think people just got carried away. You know, who doesn't get talked about from last year's eight day game with, with the Jai is the fact that Paul Tyson put some of those throws on the money and they were great. Yeah, throws. Yeah. No, he gets no credit. For <laughs> I'm not saying it's all Paul Tyson either, but I'm just saying like, let's give him at least a sliver of credit, <laughs> on that, you know, on that performance as well. No, that's absolutely right. Let, let me say this about Paul Tyson too. I, I was able to, uh, uh, discern some information yesterday from from a very good source of mine, and uh, we talked about Paul Tyson because I mean it, it sort of came up in a joking manner, but it turned very serious very quickly because you know Paul Tyson's going to Arizona State. My son is going to Arizona State next year. It's just coincidental, and I you know I made the joke that maybe my son will end up playing quarterback more there. Just just teasing around because I've met Paul and I've met his dad. They're great family, great family, and I was just teasing. But in the end. Um, I, I think Alabama fans might want to keep paying attention to Paul Tyson, not because he's going to come back to Alabama and quarterback or anything like that, and not because necessarily I think he's going to go to Arizona State and set the Pac-12 on fire. But I can tell you this, my understanding uh, from a conversation yesterday is this, that there is nobody who is more dedicated to eventually becoming involved in football, meaning coaching-wise, than Paul Tyson. He is absorbing everything he could absorb, he is uh, taking notes on a daily basis. He is he is just uh, you know let, being a sponge to all this football information. And now you know he played at a great high school in Hewitt Trustful with some incredible players, where he was pretty incredible himself. Then he goes to Alabama, and no, he doesn't get to play a lot, but he plays with some greatness, and he plays behind some greatness. And now he's going to the Pac-12 to see a whole different environment, uh, play for a former NFL guy, Herm Edwards. And, uh, you know, see a different part of the world. I'm telling you, Paul Tyson's a kind of – and he's got the bloodlines to be a pretty good coach, you know, just throwing that out there. So I feel like Paul Tyson's the kind of guy just dawned on me, man, he might end up being a, a, a football coach at the University of Alabama in the next 20 years. That's not a so, bad so, idea. So what you're saying is Paul Tyson's going to be the eventual successor to 90-year-old Nick Saban. <laughs> no, 160-year-old Nick Saban when his batteries die. He is a cyborg, Tony. We've determined this. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. We've uh, identified the uh, Saban successor. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I, I really like the Tyson family, and they love the University of Alabama, obviously. And um, I, I hope everybody understands that it, he's only going to Arizona State, you know, because, I mean, obviously, I mean, he's behind, he would have been the four string. Um, and uh, I think he's going to go there, and I don't know that he's going to have a chance to play, but I, I'm looking forward to Paul Tyson being involved with the University of Alabama because I can tell you right now, great family and great kid and smart dude. And uh, I was really encouraged by the fact he's working so hard to, towards maybe getting into coaching later. But uh, all right. So what else from spring game stood out to you, Tony? Is there any other thing that maybe something that disappointed you? You know, we've been Jimmy and I have been on here really hyping up some of these guys. We've talked about Burroughs and Leary and gosh, who hadn't talked about Jalen Milrow? I mean, I made the joke that I put $50 on him to win the Kentucky Derby. He looked so good to me. Mm -hmm. So you, who, who dis, what disappointed you without pissing somebody off? Um, I'm great at pissing people off. But, um, you know, I, I, I before the game, I was talking to people, and I said that, you know, I was supposed to project like a, a, a eight-day MVP, and mine was Trey Sanders. And I don't have his stats in front of me, but they weren't super great. And I was kind of thinking that maybe he would have a great game. Uh, honestly, the running game – as a whole wasn't super great um 
you know, if you take away Jameer Gibbs, I, I hate to play the, if you take away the best player of the game, you know, but if you take away the 75 yard touchdown from Jameer Gibbs, even his numbers aren't super great. Um, Trey Sanders, you know, didn't set the world on fire. Jamarian Miller was solid, but like, I think he averaged like less than three yards a carry if I'm, if I'm right, or if he did, he's right around there. So the running game, I guess I thought would be a little bit better, but I mean, the, the defense was so dominant on the day in general that it was hard to move the ball in any capacity. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I'd hope we there would be more of a concerted effort. But, you know, Jamarian, I thought the running back, here's what's kind of strange about it. Alabama didn't run the ball well. That's true. Statistically, wasn't a good day. You take out the Gibbs run, and it was, it was a bad day statistically. Yet, I thought Gibbs impressed. Obviously, it was the one run, uh, and he was the MVP because of it. But Gibbs one run, he impressed. Trey Sanders looked healthier to me in the sense he was able to do the Najee hurdle. I don't know that that's something that Trey Sanders would have even attempted uh, one spring ago or not even last fall. And then I think Jamarian Miller playing with the twos. Uh, I, I thought Jamarian Miller showed glimpses that, that he's going to be a really good player down the road. So it's kind of a, kind of a, a, a strange dichotomy where the running game wasn't great. It wasn't statistically good, yet all three scholarship backs, I think, did things that gave the fans some sort of uh, optimism about uh, all three of their futures. And remember, we saw Trey Sanders do a hurdle against Auburn. Maybe that's like a thing that he does. I don't know if that's something that <laughs> Alabama wants to see somebody that recently broke his pelvis do. But, like, you know, maybe that's something that he does is, is, is hurdle. Like, maybe they'll get that back from Najee. Maybe that's, a Robert, like maybe that's a Robert Gillespie thing, you know, uh, who's yeah. now been the running back coach for both Najee at the end and Trey Sanders, maybe Gille I, I want to, I want to watch them do the drills where Gillespie is showing them how to do that. Well, well, <laughs> Najee hurdle, uh, Najee Harris, Najee hurdle, uh, actually hurdled out of the womb. So <laughs> <laughs> he jumped right over the placenta. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. You know, but it, something did dawn on me. Uh, we can, we can dog the running game. And I think that's fair outside of the one run. Like you said, it's hard to take that away. I mean, uh, but at the same time, we had one running back that's a transfer that's that uh, has never been – has seen a spring at the University of Alabama dealing with this defense. We had another running back who tore his knee up and then was in a horrific car wreck. And then we had another running back that was a true freshman. So we didn't have two other running backs that have probably the most experience in uh, McClellan and Roydell Williams. So maybe things would have been a little better if those two had been healthy and been out there potentially. Uh, but uh, in the end, I, I'm sort of with Jimmy here. I, I get what you're saying, that it wasn't a dynamic running game, out again, outside of the one run. Um, but it was uh, it was very workmanlike. And if you, you know. Yeah, you're, you're going to have a different running game, too. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to get – like, Alabama's – this is, like, the first year that Alabama hasn't had, like, a big running back, like a big dude. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess, like, Jace McClellan's not small, but, but they don't have, like, that – Bo Scarborough, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Derrick Henry kind of guy, you know? Um, so I think you're going to – it lends itself to spreading the ball out more. I think Gibbs averaged something around like 13 yards uh, – 13 carries a game, 12 carries a game at Georgia Tech. I think he probably has the same amount of carries at Alabama. He just might get like five targets as well. And I think they, they switch it up between probably the four backs. So Gibbs – um, maybe Sanders next. I don't know who's going to be the number two guy, but then you got Jason and Roy Dell as well. I don't think the freshmen are going to feature this year just because you can't really go past four. 
barring an injury. And really, you don't usually go past three. So, you know, the, the fourth back in that rotation is probably going to only get maybe four or five carries a game. But, um, like, I, I think you're going to get a lot of, like, short passes um, and, and kind of, like, different looks. It won't be your typical Alabama running game where you just power the ball. Um, I think you're going to utilize kind of more spread out concepts, and that that will probably pair well with Bryce Young and and even set up the passing game even more. How about this bold? How about this bold prediction? This is super bold and super specific, but I feel pretty strongly about it. I, I, I even told I think I was uh, as a Twitter thing with uh, Josh Pate uh, in the past seven days, kind of a bold prediction. How about that? I think Jameer Gibbs will be the SEC Player of the Year. I do. That, that That's my pick for SEC Player of the Year, Gibbs. Yet, he may be something like the league's fourth, fifth, or sixth leading rusher. I, I, I think Gibbs is SEC Player of the Year because he has a lot of yards rushing, maybe close to 1,000 yards or right at it. But it's because of the yards receiving and the kick returns. I think all of it, the kick returns, I think he's housed three or four kicks at Georgia Tech for touchdowns, and now he's playing with a lot more premium athletes. Uh, I think catching the ball from Bryce uh, and running the ball, all of it will add up to a monster statistical year, and he'll win SEC Player of the Year while not necessarily leading the league in rushing, uh, and, and that would probably be a first, uh, a running back winning SEC Player of the Year, not leading the league in rushing. It'll be hard to steal that away from Bryce, who in that situation will probably have great numbers as well. But I can see what you're saying, especially I think for that prediction to come true, you're going to have to also see him like return a couple kicks and just be this like Reggie Bush style guy where he's just exactly down. I think if that's what if that's where you're going, I think Reggie Bush, you know, Alvin Kamara, Mm -hmm. that's what you're going to be comparing him to. Exactly. Um, What happened? I think Alvin's going to have a lot of weapons too and i think bryce young stats are just gonna i mean i was talking with someone could bryce young throw for five thousand yards this season i mean <laughs> probably not actually i wouldn't be surprised if he throws for less just because i think they might want to get milrow in the game more if possible and he might be more ready to, to be in, in some of those you know blowout situations but like yeah bryce the schedule's young, easier. they could get him five thousand yards yeah and the schedule's easier so you would think that he, he may go out of the game a little bit more quickly now and yeah, the easy know, schedule is actually like worse for stats because there's only yeah. so many you can you can get you know right. yeah. um and, let and me you tell play you less me. you play less if alabama's up yeah if alabama's scored already in the high 30s or low 40s by halftime it's just going to be milrow and 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 probably just me i mean I, i'll probably put too much thought into it but i would only play tie in four games just simply because i mean are you really going to get tie significant snaps that's really going to help him uh, next season that he played so many snaps. I, t- to me, assuming health for, for Bryce and Jalen Milrow, I, I, I would play Ty, but I would only play him in four games and, and preserve that red shirt, uh, assuming good health for everybody. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it's less of a deal now because people leave so early, you know, and I, it's like one of those things is Ty Simpson – You'd have to judge whether or not you have to go get like an ROI on what those snaps are going to be and also get a good feel of like, is Ty Simpson one of these guys that's angling to leave and do you need to get him every opportunity? Or if he's just one of these guys that's super patient, then yeah, maybe you save that year for him. But I still think that like as good as Milrow is, I think that there's a chance that 
Ty Simpson's the next quarterback. You know, I think it will be an open battle. I, you know, it might be harder for like an Arch Manning or an Eli Holstein to come in and win as a freshman. If, if that's the case, if one of the Alabama lands one of those two, that might be a little bit more of a stretch. But as far as Ty Simpson and Jalen Murrow, just like don't write off Ty Simpson. He only had what two, three months with the team. And I think he could, he mm-hmm. looked pretty good. He, he kind of reminded me, um, of, of this is gonna sound weird, but like he has that like Tua escapability where he's like mobile and escapable, and he could run the ball, but he's not. I wouldn't call him fast, but I wouldn't call him slow either. Like Tua had that like what forty yard run with the brace against LSU. Like Simpson could break a forty yarder. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, it's not yeah. like he's slow. You know what I'm saying? And he, he's he's probably more mobile, like agile, like I guess escapable than like Mac Jones, who also as a Patriots fan, I gotta say this has pretty deceptive speed as well. Um, let me tell everybody about betonline.net. It's your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league news, reviews, news, other reviews and views, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, Tony, um, let's start a little transfer portal here for a minute. Um, first of all, Stefan Wynn is in the transfer portal. And as a friend of Jimmy and mine said, uh, we thought he transferred a year and a half ago. Uh, I, I love Stefan Wynn when he uh, committed to Alabama. I thought he would be a, a thing. It hadn't necessarily worked out. I wish him the best, just like I wish everybody that's in the transfer portal from Alabama the best. Um, and so talk about his uh, removal from the roster. And then uh, Tyler Harrell, is it Harrell or Harrell? I, I go back and forth. I don't know. Okay, I, I don't I've said both on, on radio and, and podcast stuff. So I don't know. Whatever one um, you, you want. I'm, I'm going to say uh, Harrell until I get an angry DM from his mother. Okay. Harrell. We'll go with Harrell for this, uh, for this podcast. <laughs> so now I, my understanding is it, it's, it's a foregone conclusion he'll be at the University of Alabama. Yeah. And that will certainly shake things up. I think that you would put him in the slot. And then I think you'd have Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks as the two outside receivers. That's what, like, I just came up with a depth chart. Obviously, I didn't put Tyler Harrell in it, but I would. that's what I would do. Um, I, I think with Harrell, if you were to get him and put him in the – I think you're going to have a similar setup to last year's where he kind of takes on that Jamison Williams role and um, Jermaine Burton kind of takes on that John Mechie role. And um, I actually think that – Harrell isn't quite as good as Williams, but that Burton is better than Mechie. So I think that you'll have, you know, between the two, then the net balance of those two, I think will be pretty strong. And then whoever you're getting for that third receiver, I guess would be uh, Ja'Cory Brooks is going to be better than Slade Bolden. So uh, it could be really deadly. And the thing about this year's receiving group, you know, Tyler Harrell is for people that don't know is a guy that, you know, can run. They said, I've heard as low as four, one nine speed. I don't ever believe that. I, like until I see it on a laser gun, I'm going to say that he has low four, three speed because anything else than that is like super rare. And I just don't believe it until I see it. So, but like, let's just say low four, three speed. Um, that's going to be replacing what Jamison Williams had. And then, so I, I think you, you have that speed, but last year when Jamison Williams got hurt, they didn't have another burner. 
you know, and this year you've got Kendrick Law, you've got Aaron Anderson, you've got, you know, Isaiah Bonds coming in. Um, even Jojo Earl, it doesn't necessarily have that speed, but he adds more of that kind of style. And so um, Kobe Prentice, you know, so like they've got a bunch of guys that can totally burn. And if, you know, if one of those guys goes down, especially if they get Tyler Harrell, uh, they're going to they're not going to lose the same dynamic of their offenses they did last year when they lost Jameson Williams. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think Harrell is a not necessarily a go to guy, not a guy that's going to lead uh, the team in receptions. I think assuming good health, I think Jermaine Burton's almost a cinch to do that in terms of number of catches. But Harrell is a nice missing ingredient uh, and. and and one thing I heard about vertical receivers this week on one of the draft shows, so true. Hey, if, if you have a great vertical threat, he is helping the team, even if he only catches two or three balls. If, if he only catches two or three, as long as he is, as long as you force the other team to defend his vertical route every time he runs it, you have improved your offense. And uh, I, I think that's really what he's bringing to the table. Yeah, definitely. And I think he's the like first luxury addition that Alabama had um, through the transfer portal. Because I think they really did need a cornerback. They got um, Eli Ricks. They, they Obviously, the spring shows that they needed a left tackle. They got Tyler Steen um, running back. They needed an experienced guy. Uh, like, I, I know that they had a, a they have a stacked running back room, but they, they needed an experienced guy that was also not coming off of an injury. And I think that, that's a, that was important as well. And I'm forgetting one. Oh, and Jermaine Burton, I think, you know, obviously you needed a veteran receiver. So this is the first time that, like, I think they would have made it work and they still will make it work. It hasn't been official um, if Tyler Harrell doesn't come. But you're right. Having that extra deep threat, experienced guy, I just don't know how people stop Alabama um, or, or just, I don't see a loss if they get a guy like Tyler Harrell. I, I know losses happen and it's, it's dependent on a lot of things, but like, I don't see how you beat Alabama. Cause I think the offense could be honestly, if it all comes together, I think the offense could be as good as 2020. And then I think the defense could be one of the best defenses Alabama's ever had this on paper. You know, it's, we say this almost every year, but this on paper could be Alabama's best team just because it, it, the, the stars are aligning. And then it also seems like that, from a mental standpoint, this is a pretty strong team. I think a lot of times losing the championship game helps Alabama the following year. This could be the case there this year. You know, I, I talked about um, being able to talk to a source yesterday, and he said the exact same thing, that losing that championship game may be the best thing that's happened for Alabama fans, and they don't even know it because it really did restoke Saban's fire um, much more so than, than people even know. The other thing that I was able to glean from my conversation yesterday is Alabama may not be done in the transfer portal. But there, there actually may even be outside of Harrell, Harrell, whoever may <laughs> actually be another wide receiver. Um, I'm not saying it's official, not saying it's going to be done a hundred percent, but uh, it, it very well could be done. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense because in the, in a way Nick Saban never starts looking for anything. He never stops at all. So he's probably is out there. If somebody becomes available, He's probably going to reach out uh, that that if he wants them. So, but my understanding is there still could be one or two more transfers heading Alabama's way. Yeah, and somebody asked me is like, is that going to hurt Alabama from a recruiting standpoint? The fact that they're bringing let's let's say they bring in Tyler Harrell and then they also bring in another guy that ends up being a starting receiver, right? 
And my response is like, does it hurt Kentucky basketball when they bring in a one and done guy every single year? I mean, sometimes maybe some, I guess, I guess sometimes, you know, if you don't hit right with those guys and you stop recruiting guys behind them, then maybe it hurts. But I think it's not going to hurt if Alabama, like the transfer portal is a thing. It's not like it's ending this year. You know what I'm saying? So if Alabama can do this, if Tyler Harrell and Jermaine Burton do well, then they're going to be first in line to get another transfer next year and people are going to say well geez jameson williams went there went one and done at alabama burton went one and done at alabama Terrell went one and done at alabama all these guys could end up being first round picks if i'm a receiver there's a formula there and i'm just gonna you know i'm gonna go to alabama and then you know really alabama doesn't even have to worry about developing receivers as much but uh, i do think that there has to be a nice balance and i think that there might be a little bit of a red flag if they bring in another wide receiver but that being said, if you bring in another guy capable of getting a thousand yards, like who's turning that down? You know, so I, I yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Like they, they could not be done in, in, in the portal. And I, I don't blame them for taking that approach. Tony, appreciate your being with us today, man. You stayed above and beyond and we want to do this again. You do have the best hair of any guest we've ever had. It's a small guest <laughs> list and two of them are bald. But you still do have the best care of anybody that's ever been on the program, and that includes Jimmy and me. Well, I'm glad that the uh, yeah the, the viewers got to see me mess with it the whole time too. <laughs> oh man, you listen. Half the time I'm I I've got nose problems. I'm sniffing. I, uh, they made a joke about me looking like that uh, guy on Seinfeld that that you know Kramer. Do you ever watch Seinfeld? I, I know of Seinfeld. I'm not a huge oh, man. viewer. But well, I'm not telling this story if you don't know Seinfeld. You're not going to watch it. You looked at me with such a blank stare that I was like, like it's like Seinfeld. It's like Seinfeld. These, these guys are pretty old. That must have been on in the 60s. How old are you, Tony? I'm 32. Jeez Louise. But I, I'm literally I wearing underwear. I'm 30 just like repetitive. I don't like being over 30. I think I'm just going to stay. I'm one of these people. I just want to stay at 30 and just talk. I got bad news. I got really bad news. <laughs> you, you hadn't even started getting up in the middle of the night to pee yet. I do that routinely. <laughs> I, I, I am the age of when I'm walking my dog and it's cold, my back is ruined. That's, oh, that's, that's my thing. Yeah. But Tony, I'm going to say, like I said before, get your affairs in order. It's not like things, you don't get 40 and like things are so much better now. No. <laughs> Trust me on this. Trust Jimmy on this. He's older than I am. Yep. That's true. Uh, buddy, Tony, thanks so much for being with us. We'll have you on again soon, man. This is too much fun. You're the best at what you do. Uh, that's Tony Taco Tuesday, I think is how you say your name. Is that right? <laughs> hey, you uh, can make some real you can make some real NIL money with that name. At a previous job, I was when I was working for Tuscaloosa News called me uh Tony Tuscaloosa. <laughs> so Oh man. That sounds like a gangster. That's a this gangster. Awesome. That's the a gangster options man. are limitless. Isn't there a Tony the Greek gangster? Like I think they I think that, that or like he's a betting guy. Uh, there is a Tony the Greek somewhere. No, Jimmy the Greek. Oh, maybe it is Jimmy the Greek. Oh my god, you're so young. <laughs> you don't remember Jimmy the Greek? It is Jimmy the well, Greek. Luke, it's Tony the Greek. Luke, it's know. not that he's young, it's that we're old. That, that's a good point. But hey, I, <laughs> listen, Tony, when we get off of this, Wikipedia Jimmy the Greek, he used to be on CBS's you know NFL today or whatever before, that was before he cable. Was and then one day, out of the blue. He has this whole thing about how uh, African-Americans are better athletes because of all this breeding. It oh, was God. bizarre. 
And yeah. it, everybody was like, what are you doing? And um, <laughs> that was the end of him. Then. Yeah, that was the end of him. Bit of trouble. Yeah. God, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I won't be like him. then. <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't. Yeah. Don't give me the Greek stuff, man. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll steer away from Tony the Greek. Yeah, I, don't I like Tony Tuscaloosa. That's Tony Tony Tuscaloosa is great. That's, that's a cool, that's cool. We All might right. go with that from here on out. That's fine. All right, buddy. Thank you, guys. Uh, roll Tide, everybody. Hey, Roll Tide. Yeah, see you guys. All right.